the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Good to be together. Lots happening this week. Got a couple of great interviews coming up uh, in a few moments. Uh, we'll talk with uh, author Jeffrey Stevens about his book, Fool's Aaron. We'll also talk with Joe Johnston about the decline of nations. His book is one of my favorites by Republic Book Publishers. All of that and more. Hope you had a great weekend. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Please visit ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com. We will later this week have some more coverage of the uh, uh, March for Life and some of the pro-life issues. There was a lot happening there that's pretty extraordinary, and so uh, we will get back to that. But I, today, I want to start the week with a what you need to know. I was thinking about this last night. I was wondering how to come to the conversation and talk about it, and I, I, I'm going to see if I can get there for you. What you need to know right now is in the midst of a lot of other things happening, inflation, uh, the supply chain problems, the stock market seems to be dropping, all different kinds of things happening. There is certain aspects of American life which continue and should worry us. What do I mean? Well, what I specifically mean is that the federal government, the swamp, has become so big and so powerful that we don't even notice... What's happening in terms of the transfer, not of power, that's a big one, and there was a big rally over the weekend in uh, Washington, D.C. to uh, say no to the mandates, some great speakers down there. I tell you, the guy that's amazing to watch is uh, Robert Kennedy, Robert F. K., RFK Jr., Robert Kennedy Jr., because he's such an iconic American uh, presence, being a Kennedy, and he speaks, um, well, he speaks uh, about freedom and about oppression and things. It's, it's amazing to see. But I don't want to even talk about that. I'm not talking about the power uh, over us. I'm actually just talking about money. Remember how I told you, follow the money? If you do follow the money as a, as a way, a, a, a filter on what's happening, you can, a lot of things can become revealed. That's what I want to talk about. Here's my example. Over in Virginia, in Fairfax County, one of the largest counties in the country, you will see, if you go and look at the clips, you will see that the Virginia, the Fairfax County School District spent 24000 excuse me, spent $20,000 to be, bring Ibram Kendi, one of the key, I don't know if he's an inventor, but the key, key promoters of critical race theory. They brought him to town to speak, paid him $20,000 for an hour. Now, actually, I think what happened was because of COVID, he actually did it by virtual. He didn't do it in person. But the reality is it was $20,000. But that's not the, you got to follow the money all the way. It turns out that he got $24,000 on top of that, $44,000, because the school district agreed to buy $24,000 worth of books. Now, let me explain something to you in the what you now know category. Sometimes when you get a speaker, you will get the speaker to come for a fee or no fee if you agree to buy some of their books. So a few years ago, we had Brian Kilmeade speak at one of our major events in uh, Pittsburgh and also again the next night in Philadelphia. 
And in, it, we didn't pay him a fee. Instead, we bought copies of his book. And if you buy copies of a hardback book, you're talking about, even when you get a discount, you're talking about spending between 10 and really more like 13 or $14 per book. So if you buy 100 books, you start doing the math. You buy 200 books. I think we bought Kilmead, bought 200 copies of Kilmead's book for each event. That's how he got paid. And a lot of times authors, and I could tell you this from my own experience with the conservative case for Trump, my own New York Times bestseller, you, you will have a whole bunch of books you buy yourself or that are either given to you as part of the, the contract or you buy very cheap or relatively cheap, and then you can sell them. So the, the, the Phyllis Schlafly organizations had, I don't know, six or 7,000 copies of the conservative case for Trump. When we'd go to an event and sell it for $15, we'd only paid $5 for it. It was all gravy for us. And sometimes we go to an event and sell them for $5 because we weren't trying to make money or even anything. We just wanted to break even. Uh, and sometimes you give them away. But my point here is, Kendi, this inner inventor of the critical race theory, $44,000 for one hour of time for the school teachers of the, of the district. I mean, this is, ex- this is extraordinary stuff. Now, pause with me. What am I talking about? That's one example of someone who's a trendy academic. No. There is on edweek.org, Education Week's website, a feature, an interactive feature, where you can look at the over 190 billion, that's a B, billion dollars, 190 billion dollars that have since March of 2020 been sent from the federal government to our schools, public schools. And so you say to yourself, well, wait. $190 $190 billion. You can go county by county and see that counties, small counties, big counties, got millions and millions of dollars. Now, it, you say, well, oh, but it must have been for PPE, masks and gear. Well, some of it was directly, but a lot of it was given in a, such a way that the schools could decide their discretion. They could, they could decide that they, you know, that it was anything that they, they deemed reasonable and necessary. Now, Think about this. Back in 2010, 2009, 2010, when Obama did the stimulus that was just under a, uh, what was it, $800 million, $800 billion, is that right? Um, That sounds high. No, it must be high. But whatever it was, inside that bill, yeah, $800 billion, I think it was, $700-something billion. But inside that bill, the stimulus, so-called stimulus, were things like $109 million for uh, windmills. Uh, in Missouri, that the Carnahan family had a business that could claim. Now, my point here is this. What the left is doing and the swamp is doing is taking tax dollars from we the people and transferring them to favored groups. So now watch, close to $200 billion since March of 2020 to our public schools. And, And it could be designated for anything that's reasonable and necessary. Could be for training, could be for travel, could be for pay, could be for more hires, could be for buildings. Again, whether it's needed or not, I don't know. It wasn't for PPE. And more importantly, a lot of it went to the teachers' union's control and therefore the teachers' union's preferences. Now, there is an argument that we should make, a long argument, about the schools not living up to their role and not living up to the, what these payments were for, et cetera, et cetera. I, I would like to do that too. But what I'm mostly pointing to you right now, pointing out to you right now, is this is happening over and over again. 
where the federal government is bringing in tax dollars and paying it out to favored groups. You, you know, we, we dodged a bullet so far in terms of the Build Back Better. Nobody even knows what's in that Build Back Better. You don't even know because there was lots of money and lots of stuff in there that was a transfer of wealth. The infrastructure bill, so-called infrastructure bill, I think like of the $1.2 trillion, I think $400 billion was for actual roads and bridges. The other stuff was for this and that and the other and this and that and transfer. Now, to finalize my point, the left does this so well. Why? Because they're employing the people that they utilize to help them both win the elections, vote, you know, voters. If somebody's got to give you a job, you're probably going to be favorable towards them. If you're working on, uh, on Senator so-and-so's, uh, Democrat Senator so-and-so from such-and-such, and you're on his staff, you're probably going to think highly of him. If you're getting paid by the federal government for something that they say is important, you're probably going to say, oh, I like that. I certainly am not going to vote against, against my interest that way. That's part of it. The second thing is it's expanding the reach. People end up doing things with their jobs, whether it's regulating, influencing, managing, etc. And so we are living in a time where the transfer of wealth from we the people and be clear. People that are really rich find ways to not pay as much tax because they can pay accountants. And people that are really poor don't pay taxes, income taxes. And that's terrible. We should get a more job zone. But most of the people that pay taxes are middle class and they're middle class and they're, they're, they're the middle class and working class. And they're paying all these taxes and they are dealing with uh, funding, basically, all this stuff. All this increase, all this, uh, all this uh, uh, largesse coming out of the government. And over time, I'm just telling you, that's how the swamp has grown. The swamp has grown $44,000 at a time. That's Kendi. That's what he got paid. And $190 billion to schools, but nothing's changed. They're asking for more money right now. What you need to know is that trend line, it's accelerating. And things like inflation and the economy are impacted by the fact that we have the federal government spending more and more money, transferring more and more wealth, but it's also impacting how we live together. It's not a good model. It's not to say the government is going to fund some things. Of course they are. But the idea that we're going to do this kind of transfer of wealth, it's accelerated and it's the swamp, not one party or the other. The Democrats are worse, but it's not one party or the other. All right, I got to run. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin. Don't forget, don't forget visit ProAmericaReport.com. Sign up for the Daily Wink there because what you need to know is right here and it's right there. And we'll be right back. Ed Martin, Pro America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Uh, great to be back. We're going to have uh, one of my favorite authors in the last couple of years, Jeffrey Stevens. His book is called Fool's Errand. And I got his book early on. I, I had him on the show. I just uh, got an email a few, I don't know, a month ago, two months ago, maybe, uh, from one of his uh, people that he won an award. The book won an award. First place winner in the 2021 Pencraft Book Awards. So, see, I knew it was a good book, uh, Jeffrey. I knew it was uh, a winner. And I'm glad you got some acclaim. How are you, sir? Good to have you on Thanks. again. Thanks. I'm great. I'm great. It's good to be back with you. 
So I was thinking of you for lots of reasons, but one of them was, it's a little convoluted, but work with me. The movie, The Tender Bar, which is uh, a memoir by J.R. Moringer that was made into a movie that now everybody's seeing because it's Ben Affleck and George Clooney. And it, it has a lot to do with a young boy and a sort of father type figure, which is the, uh, the Ben Affleck. I don't know if you've seen it or read the book. It's the great book. The movie is pretty good. Um, but what I was thinking about was your book, Fool's Errand, which is interesting to me, not because it's a thriller. That's kind of interesting. It's because this extraordinary relationship with the father uh, and a son. And I, I, the tender bar made me think, of that. first of all, how, how come somebody hasn't made Fool's Errand into a movie? Uh, okay, so that's a lot of stuff. So let me respond by this. <laughs> first of all, yes, I, I saw the movie. I liked the movie, but spoiler alert, we hated the ending. That's just yeah. something that we could discuss at another time. Okay. Um, and I, I don't even know how to say this because it's such a tragic story, but uh, I had someone pick up an option on my books to turn them into movies, uh, starting with my four spy thrillers. Uh-huh. And uh, unbelievably, he died in a plane crash. Wow. His name, his name was Brandon Hogan. He was a uh, very conservative guy. Uh, when we met for, the, I'll tell you a quick funny story. When we met for the dinner where we got together and he said, I want to do this. I want to, I want to make your books into movies. We were joined by Kimberly Guilfoyle and Donald Trump Jr. Wow. For dinner in New York City. It was, it was like magical for me. I just had the greatest time. And then he went out there and he's, you know, pounding the pavement, trying to get this sold. And uh, it's a very sad story, but he was taking flying lessons and he was in the hills of Montana. And the pilot, the, uh, the pilot, the instructor turned to him and said, it was a single engine Cessna, I think. And he said, our, our, our engine is conked out. We're going to hang on. We're going to crash. And he had a 16 year old son in the plane oh, with them. Oh my gosh. And he turned to his son and he, he put his arm around him and said, I love you, son. And the son said, I love you, dad. And the reason we know this is because the pilot and Brandon were killed instantly, but the son survived. Holy cow. Yes. And there was an article in the in the paper about six months ago or so that to honor his father's memory, he was going to take flying lessons of all things. Oh and gosh. so so the article came up. But anyway, it was so sad. He was just a great guy. He had an outfit called Paragon Pictures and it all collapsed upon his death. And so the answer is that's a long winded way and a very tragic way of saying that if someone wants to turn my books, <laughs> give me a call. <laughs> wow. That is available again. Yeah, that is something. So, um, wow. That's uh, amazing. Yeah. By the way, Jeffrey Stevens.com is the website. Jeffrey, J E F F R E Y Stevens, S T E P H E N S.com. You'll see all of his books there. He's, as he mentioned, uh, he's written a number of books and, and, uh, including the Jordan, uh, Sandor, the espionage thrillers. Uh, and uh, of course this book fools, Aaron, back to the heart of, my question the father yes. son thing in this has it yeah. has that part it, it, it touched me i'll tell you larry elder the great uh host of uh salem radio network has a book on his dad and, it, and it's a memoir it's extraordinary you should actually check it out but has the father son has the father son thing in this book caught on in the way that you uh might have expected well that's that's pretty much how people have reacted to it i mean it, it really is the book is about the relationship as you know between the father and the son and I wrote the book. It came about, you know, during the pandemic, I decided to do something other than another spy thriller at that point, because I right. felt I wanted to address family because people were really estranged from their families. They couldn't see their grandparents. They couldn't get together sometimes with their parents and so on. And so um, I've had people get in touch with me and say, 
when I closed the cover on the last page of that book, the first thing I did was call my mother, call my father, call an old friend. And so it really is about the connection. And it's also about, and this is an interesting topic that I got into a little bit, not in the book so much, because the book is, as you know, it's an entertainment. It's not, it's not some, not a psychological tome. But the thing is that our parents have such an amazing influence on us, even long after they're gone. And in this book, as you know, the main character's father died young, and yet his influence on the son goes on and on and on and leads to the fool's errand. So, yes, that was a big part of the book. It is. Um, and, and I, and every time I see it and uh, you know, again, you're, uh, we're talking with Jeffrey Stevens and Jeffrey Stevens.com is his website. When you're, you're, you're uh, a person who's uh, helping promote your book, it's published by Post Hill Press, by the way, uh, and won an award and all. I, I do think that it's a great one for people that love to read that want to read uh, something for um a father's day or, you know, around Christmas again. And, and my point on the tender bar was in some ways that was an exploration of the father. I, you know, I had a, I, the tender bar is written by J.R. Moringer. His cousin McGraw Millhaven is a friend of mine from St. Louis and oh, wow. McGraw was in the book. He wasn't in the movie as much, but he said, actually, the funny thing about our childhood is we were raised by single parents, single moms. And so the book was about a missing father and our moms. He said, we, you know, our moms got us out of, uh, of this uh, poverty and all that and all, and uh, the tough life they were in to get them educated. Educational. Well, Jeffrey, I, I'm asked you off the air, but I want to hear you say it on. You're, you're writing again. You're always writing. You're a writer. What are you yeah. writing? What are you writing next? Well, what we've got, we're, we've gone back to the uh, the, the espionage thriller uh, uh, category, and so I've got a book that's an exciting one coming out, uh, hopefully for Father's Day if they can get the printing together with the supply chain mess. But mm-hmm. anyway, it's called The Handler, and it's a new set of characters. I, I've put Jordan mm-hmm. Sandra aside for a moment because I wanted to create a strong woman espionage character. And so the two main characters, Carol Gellos and Nick Reagan, they're the ones who, who get involved in, in trying to defeat this terrorist plot. And it's uh, it's a pretty good read, I think. And I think people will enjoy it. You know, um, Jeffrey, people that uh, say they want to be a writer, they say, I got to write, I got a great story or whatever. And I, I, I'd say this the right way. Everybody's got a great story. Sure. That's a that's a difference. But the difference is taking a great story or a great idea and writing it. Now, you you are a lawyer by training, I think, and and, yes. uh, and so did you. Lawyers write a lot. I mean, I'm a lawyer too. Lawyers write a lot. But you um you what made you write these spy thrillers? How'd you end up there? Well, that's an interesting question. <laughs> the answer is that I had written another book, a legal type thriller, which failed. It was not a good book. But when I finally when I finally decided to start taking the the writing seriously in terms of getting published, I mean I always took it seriously, but when I met an agent, he tried to get the other book published and it just didn't work. He said, What else have you got? And I said, Well I've got this spy thriller that's based on a friend of mine who really was in the CIA. I mean he never told me any classified secrets, but he gave me some background and I knew how he lived and I wanted to take a run at it sort of like was an homage to him, you know, and was basically written for fun and to see how I would go. And that's the book that sold. Mm. And when it sold, they wanted more of them. And so that's why one Mm. became four. And so the Jordan Sanders series grew out of that just almost accidentally. And uh, it's a fun series and I like it and people react well to it. They sold well. Um, And then I went to do some other things, but now I'm going back into that game. Um, we, you know, we, um, uh, when you talk about the, uh, uh, the, the, um, that game, the world of publishing now 
Is it different than when you started? Meaning, do, do you know, like uh, Tom Clancy, when his Brooks broke out, he was the Cold War and he was, you know, it was like, let's beat the Soviets and all. And it was sort of easy to be on the side of patriotism. In this modern moment, are people wanting to be on a side politically that affects books? In other words, affects your ability to mark. Fool's Aaron didn't feel like that. It just felt a father son thing. It was universal. But did you have to adjust your your sort of um, sense of what's or your agent tells you, hey, you know, don't be too this or that or be this or that because that's where the market is? Yeah, oh, I think absolutely so. I think, you know, with this wokeness going on, you you, you know, I mean, so, so I heard this morning that what was it? Uh, professionalism is now considered a racist term. I mean, you, you just can't make this stuff up. So in this book, this book is about Arab terrorists. And right. so in at the beginning of the book, I actually there's one page about Islamophobia, which I really would like everyone to read because, you know, I don't hate Muslims because phobia, it really comes from fear, not hate. That's what the root word is, phobia. You know, if, you're, if you have a phobia, it means you're afraid of something. And if you look historically, I mean, the, the Arab terrorists tried to take down the World Trade Center once. Then they did take it down. They went after the USS Cole, on and on and on and on and on. So to say somebody, oh, God, that's so racist if you're going to portray them as villains. Well, guess what? They're the ones who are pursuing this path of destruction and, and murdering innocent people, whether right. it's, you know, Bastille Day in, Marse- in uh, Marseille in France or, or any place else in the world. So, yes, you know, you really have to be mindful of that. That's why I love Anthony Zaccardi, who's the owner of Post Hill, because he's got guts. I mean, he stands yeah. up to this and says, yeah. no, 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 these things have to be discussed. And so this story really is based on actual teachings of the Quran, which which preach the destruction of other people. I mean, there's nothing that I know of in, in Christianity or in or in Judaism, for that matter, that says, you know, if you don't if you don't believe what I believe, I'm, I have to kill you. I mean, you, you may not go to heaven if I believe that you don't go to heaven if you're a different religion, but it doesn't mean I have to go out and blow you up. And so these are things that need to be looked at. And yes, it is different now because, oh, boy, people want to be so sensitive about these things. And, oh, I don't want to offend anybody. I mean, that's, you know, who was this comedian came out recently and said, I, I can't have a career anymore. Who was that? The, the black comedian who's very funny. And he said, this is it for me, because if you can't offend people, there's no humor anymore. Yeah, it's um, it's uh, it is interesting that I that you said that about uh, Anthony Zaccardi, because I've seen some of his other books. He, as you say, he's uh, he's willing to be out there. And I, you know, oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's uh, well, listen, I, I'm out of time. Uh, Jeffrey Stevens, his book that I like so much, he's got a whole bunch of books and you can check them all out. The one I like so much is called Fool's Errand. It's an award winner now. It's a novel. Uh, it's great for Father's Day. I was mentioning to him. I think it might have been off air. Maybe it was on air. But Larry Elder has a great memoir. You read these two together. There's it's I, I love these kind of fast-paced novels like yours i like that's how i like to read to if i'm if i'm going to read something deep and i have to worry about it i, I don't want to i just got to go read it i can't uh, think so this is this is when i want to be relaxed and kind of have fun so thank you as always jeffrey and again it's jeffreystevens.com jeffreystevens.com i'll put it up on social media we appreciate it thank you sir thank you Ed. happy new year everybody you too thank you thanks very much we'll take a break everybody we'll be right back it's ed martin here on the pro america report back in a moment 
Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. Hey, it's a new year. And of course, in this new year, it's a few weeks into it. It's time to catch up with my old friend, Joseph F. Johnston Jr. Joe Johnston, I call him. Uh, but that's his name on the title of the book. The book is called The Decline of Nations, Lessons for Strengthening America at Home and in the World. And we've talked to him a number of times and probably maybe more apropos every day, his book published, of course, by Republic Book Publishers. Uh, that's Al Regnery and Eric Campman. They do a great job. Lots of good books. So uh, welcome, Joe, back to the program. How are you, sir? Welcome, Ed. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. Well, so before we get to a little couple things I have about the nation and all in your perspective, um, uh, let me ask you about the international scene. And um, how, do yeah. you f- how do you feel about what's happening in the world? I guess Russia slash Ukraine dominates, but China's hosting the Olympics with a pretty checkered uh, present, let alone past. What, how do you feel about the world in terms of what's going on? Well, it, on the defense side, uh, there's some serious risks out there, Ed. Uh, I mean, just recently, of course, uh, China tested this major hypersonic weapon system, uh, which is a, a, a frightful weapon, really. Right. It, it travels at seven times the speed of sound, and it, it, it it's capable of going around the world, and, and it's a... a uh, General Milley, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, called it a, a Sputnik moment. Hmm. You remember the Sputnik yeah. was, was the launch uh, by the Soviets in 1857 of the first satellite. Right. And uh, this is a very dangerous development. And, and and it's not just China. It's Russia, of course. Russia has recently put uh, a, a major anti-satellite weapon in outer space, which creates all sorts of potential danger. And we're behind the curve in space and in uh, hypersonic missile technology and in our naval technology. Uh, China and Russia have dramatically accelerated their naval shipbuilding and modernization programs in recent years, while the U.S. has actually struggled to improve its capacity for uh, naval warfare. Right. Uh, for the second year in a row, the Heritage Index of Military Strength gave the U.S. Navy overall scores of, of weak hmm. uh, with a specific naval capacity of weak. And uh, our enemies are, are building ship new ships rapidly, and we're letting ours deteriorate. So uh, on the military front, we're not doing too well. Yeah, no, it's certainly, and in, in the book, actually, you talk a little bit about, a lot about that in the book. Uh, we're talking again with Joe Johnston, and his book is The Decline of Nations, Lessons for Strengthening America at Home and in the World. Um, uh, Joe, um, h- how do you address the media, though? And by that, I mean, the the fake news media, I mean, it just, it, they don't even try to tell the truth now. and And yet, I don't know, half the country. Well, let's say it this way. 40% of the country believes what CNN says. 40% believes what Fox says. I think Fox is right more often, but I'm not sure that any of them are, are they're mostly they're, they're playing to a business model. Uh, how does that, how does this play out for us? I mean, we've got a problem, right? Well, we sure do have a problem. Uh, the media actually makes no pretense anymore toward being objective. Mm-hmm. It is run by 
the progressive movement, and uh, they don't they don't really try to be objective anymore. And 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 uh, if you look at at recent developments in in the media, uh, there is there is a, a serious lack of independence and objectivity uh, in 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 the media. Yeah. So uh, I, I, you know, it's 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 very depressing. Yeah, uh, we're talking about Joe Johnson and Joe. Um, how about the how about the history, the historical uh, uh, fact of where we are? Um, and again, you know, your perspective uh, as an author now, but also uh, you you've been a, a keen observer of politics for these you know decades. Uh, Jimmy Carter stumbled terribly in his term in office, but somehow he didn't stumble quite like Biden has. And again, are we're in unprecedented times when we have a president who seems so inept and uh, and the people know it now i mean they 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 see it they know it, it. Is, yeah it's terrible ed we have a real leadership crisis in this country we have at the head as our president a man who has risen to the top of the american public life without a trace of accomplishment and with a vice president with an equal lack of accomplishments i mean under uh, the leadership of biden since his inauguration in January 21, has been a total failure. His management of the withdrawal from Afghanistan, for example, was a total disaster. Under Biden, we have soaring inflation, empty shelves, needless government mandates, a weakened defense, rampant crime, a serious border crisis, and a culture crisis in, in which the progressive left tries to denigrate ordinary Americans as racists and oppressors and portrays parents as terrorists just because they dare to raise their voice uh, in a school board meeting about the leftist indoctrination that's going on in our uh, in our school system. Uh, we're talking with Joe Johnson. And Joe, you know, in the book, you one of your chapters towards the end, I don't think it's the last one, it may be a second to last or a third to last, is actually the decline of culture. And the notion that we that culture has declined so rapidly. Um, what's the what's the solution to that though? Well, the solution, first of all, is better leadership, but I mentioned the leadership crisis. Uh you know, we have growing de- deficits and debt, weakened military, rising inflation, feckless leadership, foreign policy retreat, and and we have to. We, first of all, we have to change the crew. I mean, we have to get new leaders. Uh, there are s- some hopes, I think, on on the horizon. Recently, in Virginia, we have a, a better governor. Uh, Youngkin's successful gubernatorial campaign in Virginia, uh, he emphasized higher standards, student achievement in schools, empowering parents, more support for law enforcement and public safety, and more efficient and accountable government. And that's what we need. Yeah, at the it's, national it, level. Yeah, not you've just said you, the you, state you, level. You've said that before that um, uh, leadership. Uh, you've talked. We've talked about this before. And I guess the problem. I want one way to think about this is though the last two leaders that became president, the media basically exposed them. In the case of Trump, I think they lied, but they they exposed him as 
compromise and all that. And with Biden, they just exposed him by the, the, the by the, you know, the lights that as incompetent are, are you know, where are the leaders going to come from, Joe? Are they going to come from the legislature? Are they going to come from industry? I mean, in a period, you know, we talk about uh, our culture in this country. And again, we're talking with Joe Johnston. His book is The Decline of Nations, uh, Republic Book Publishers. Um, you know, we had military leaders that withstood the the test of, of, of war and Eisenhower and even Patton. Uh, we had business leaders that were iconic. Um, you know, you can uh, you know, tick through them uh, in history, uh, not necessarily. I don't mean the modern ones only, only Warren Buffett or anything. I'm talking about the, the builders of, you know, Sears Roebuck uh, and all others. Um, where in, in uh, here's one in um, academia. We had quality people come forward out of academia. Now it feels like um, th- th- they're just not turning out the same caliber. Uh, what am I? Where well, am you I? Put your fi- you, yeah, you put your finger on it, Ed. It's academia. It's the educational system that is the root basic cause of it. We have a, a, a primitive and, and serious deficit in our educational system. The schools are simply not teaching children what they need to know to succeed in in the real world. And we have to start over again at kindergarten. We have to uh, do something about the public school system, which is totally inadequate. And uh, you got to start from the ground up. And this means starting at local levels and appointing people. To the, to the school boards who will actually educate the children. They are not learning basic reading, writing, arithmetic, uh, and, 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 and it just gets worse and worse as you go up the line. And, and of course, as you mentioned, the universities are, are filled with uh, progressive leftists who all they care about is apparently is, is racism. Right. And so, uh, we have to do something about the educational system. It, it, it really ought to, we ought to really privatize the public educational system. Let the money follow the children instead of uh, following the teachers' unions and so that parents can, can, can send their children to the school of their choice, charter schools, private schools, whatever, and have the money follow the parents and the children and not follow the teachers unions. Yeah, I think that I mean, you see that that the one, one fruit of the pandemic that's maybe positive, certainly not the experience of education for K through 12. But I think the parents awakening to it. All right, Joe, I got to run. Joe Johnston, his book is The Decline of Nations, Lessons for Strengthening America at Home and in the World. It lays out uh, in the first few chapters what the problem is and then gives you, as it says, lessons for the future. Thanks, Joe. I appreciate your time. It's a pleasure to talk to you, Ed, always. All right. We'll talk again very soon. Joe Johnson, everybody. We'll take a break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report, back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. Fire Fauci should be the campaign slogan for every Republican because the policies pursued by health official Anthony Fauci concerning COVID-19 have been a complete disaster. The emergence of a new variant should have been anticipated, but instead we learn that current vaccines may be ineffective against it. We're more than two years into this pandemic, and Americans are fed up with the pompous Fauci still in control while disrupting our daily lives. 
Fauci accused Republicans of lying, which hardly seems like the proper role of a highly compensated government employee. Nevertheless, he is the one who has put our country on a path of never-ending government control over our work, our travel, and even our children's education. Fauci declared, I represent science. But no real scientist would ever claim to be the embodiment of science itself. Representative Thomas Massey is a real scientist and an inventor, in addition to representing Kentucky's 4th Congressional District. Massey, the self-proclaimed greenest member of Congress who holds dozens of patents for his inventions, cleverly rebuked Fauci's hubris on his Twitter feed by writing, Fauci can be the science and I'll be the master of science, alongside a photograph of Massey's Master's of Science degree from MIT. Fauci's also implied that his policies are to, quote, save millions of lives, end quote. But in fact, his policies have fared far worse than the health record in poorer countries that successfully allowed over-the-counter access to inexpensive medications such as ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine. Fauci's policies have resulted in patients dying in hospitals without receiving early treatments recommended by practicing physicians. Reviewing the totality of Dr. Fauci's work on COVID-19, it's clear to see that people do not reject Fauci because he represents science. Rather, people reject Fauci because he's been bad at his job. It should be no more controversial to reject Fauci than it is to reject an author that can't spell or a mathematician that can't count. Fauci does not embody science. He embodies the incompetent bureaucracy that relishes in its nearly boundless job security. It's time to fire Fauci. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report with Ed Martin, president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. And we think it's time to take Washington back from the power brokers. At phyllisschlafly.com, we're organizing a grassroots movement to stand against the deep state bureaucrats who control government. For the latest strategies, go to phyllisschlafly.com. That's phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here in a Pro-America Report wrapping things up. Please don't forget, visit ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com. Sign up for the Daily Wink. Also get lots of these great interviews there. Um, hey, uh, I want to finish. I might cover this uh, in more depth when I have Todd Benzman of the Center for Immigration Studies on the show uh, sometime soon. Uh, but I want to mention this because uh, my colleague, Jordan Henry, who is the Director of Research for the Eagle Forum Educational Legal Defense Fund. He's a very good writer, a very talented guy. He is um, uh, out in St. Louis, and he sent me this, and he said, you need to look at this, and I did, and I can't believe it. Um, (laughs) If you can believe it, the TSA, the Transportation Security Administration for the United States of America, has confirmed, if you can believe this, that it allows illegal immigrants to use arrest warrants arrest warrants as an alternative form of ID in order to board airplanes. So a TSA spokesman told uh, Fox News that, you know, non-citizens and non-U.S. nationals who otherwise don't have ID uh, at checkpoints, they can use other certain documents, including arrest warrants. Now, what he's referring to is the arrest warrant for uh, violating the immigration laws in America. It's not like if you show an arrest warrant from your home country of Honduras or you know Botswana or something. But still, think about that. 
And think about, by the way, that TSA requires people to show an ID. I don't know if it's a photo ID. I guess it's not for sure that it's a photo ID. Uh, but look, at this point, the only problem with the border that's not being highlighted uh, is how bad it is. In other words, we now know everything that's happening. The problem is we've got the Ukraine and, and Russia perhaps in a war. We've got inflation and the economy stalled and we've got the supply side thing. It's almost like there's other things that you've got to look at because they're so worrisome. You don't even realize. We now know all the details. Between Todd Bensman and the Center of Immigration Studies and all these different co- all the different coverage, we know, in fact, it was Congressman Gooden uh, who was down at the border who's been pretty uh, active on this and has been pretty good. Um, he's a tech Texas congressman uh, at highlighting these things. It's just crazy. So I'll put that up on social media, that piece. Uh, but I got to tell you, it doesn't, it shouldn't surprise anybody. It doesn't surprise anybody. The question is, are they going to do anything about it? And the answer is, doesn't look like it. It does not look like they're going to do anything about it. So, all right, everybody, thank you, as always, to Noah Dingley, our great uh, producer. He does a great job keeping this everything going. Joanna Spilger helps us with our great guests. And you for listening, visit ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com, and uh, check everything out there. And we'll be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Talk to you then. Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.